Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're so glad you joined us here for the conversation. Our study of the Gospel of Mark is focusing on the busy, productive, and life-changing work of Jesus in action. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Welcome back, friends, to today's episode. So glad that you joined us. And uh, speaking about friends, got this great postcard from uh, some friends of ours, uh, the Connors, Paul and Jeanette. Jeanette, thanks for sending this uh, postcard of the Garden Tomb in Israel, one of my favorite places. And uh, Jeanette and Paul went on our pastor's Israel trip this past month, and she writes that the Land of the Bible tour has forever changed my life. And uh, just what a blessing. So Jeanette, thank you for listening from Vancouver, Canada. Thank you for your friendship. And thanks for the great reminder about Israel, one of my favorite places in all the world. Uh, In fact, we are planning another pastor's trip this next year. And I put it up on social media. But if you didn't hear about that, I'd love to have you go. Uh, We do trips all year long. You're welcome to go on any one of the trips landofthebible.org. Just treat that as one word, landofthebible.org. But if you're a pastor or ministry leader, we'd love to have you go on that special trip in January of next year. Hey, we're in Mark chapter 8, and this kind of marks our marks, no pun intended, our halfway point in our study of the book of Mark. Mark has 16 chapters, as you know. It is the shortest of the four Gospels, the earliest of the four Gospels, and we are at the chapter 8 halfway point, so that's kind of exciting. Look at uh, chapter 8 and verse number 1, where the Bible says, In those days, the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples unto him and saith unto them, I have compassion on the multitude, because they have now been with me three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away fasting to their own houses, they will faint by the way, for divers of them, different ones of them, came from afar or came from far. So, wow, a couple things here that we ought to consider. Uh, First of all, remember where Jesus is. Jesus is not in his usual spot there by Capernaum. That's where he fed the 5,000. This is not the feeding of the 5,000. This is a separate miracle. How do we know that? Because the details are not not the same. And we've already talked about the feeding of the 5,000 in this very book, in Mark chapter 6. This is a separate miracle where Jesus is going to feed thousands of people, but not in Israel per se, but in Decapolis. And again, Where did all these people hear about Jesus? Well, from that maniac of Gadara, no doubt, and from these many others that are telling everybody about this deaf man who received his hearing, how Jesus had healed him. So Jesus has become very popular very quickly here in Mark chapter number eight. And how special that after these days of ministry where Jesus is teaching, he's preaching, no doubt doing miracles, that he does not want to send the people away 
because they've been there now for these three days and he just knows they're going to faint by the way. We just got back from uh, Israel last week or last week, a couple days ago, really. And it, we had, we had one of the ladies on our trip who had spent time with us. Of course, we travel hard every day and she fainted. She was dehydrated and she fainted because she just didn't have the nutrients and the hydration in her body that she needed. So Jesus said, boy, if I send these people home without uh, eating, without nutrition, they're going to faint by the way. Some of them have come from a really, really long distance. We need to feed them. Now, don't you think that when Jesus said that about this multitude, that there, that ought to have triggered in the minds of the disciples, just what had happened before, because this is the same scenario where thousands of people have gathered, uh, they've ministered to them, it's time to let them go, uh, but Jesus wants to feed them. Uh, This should be very, for the disciples, this should be a deja vu moment for them. Watch how this unfolds, verse number four. And his disciples answered him, from whence... Can a man satisfy these men with bread here in the wilderness? So the disciples said to to Jesus, well, how are we going to do that? We're not near any town. We're out in the middle of nowhere. How are we going to give them something to eat when there's nothing available to eat? Now, it's a little bit incredible that they would ask that question. I mean, these are the same disciples who participated in the feeding of the 5,000 in that they were used to the Lord to divide them into groups of 50, to take the food and distribute it. I mean, they had been here before, and yet how quickly, how quickly we forget the things, even the miraculous things that God has done for us. So lest we be too critical of them, I think sometimes we do the same thing, don't we? So they don't see any kind of a supernatural option here. They don't see any kind of an historical precedent here. All they see is the fact of the case. Hey, uh, Jesus wants to feed them, but there's no food. What is he talking about? Verse number five. And he asked them, how many loaves have ye? Now, again, should this not trigger their thinking? How many loaves have ye? And they said seven. Remember, with the feeding of the 5,000, there were five loaves and two fishes. And the Bible says in verse number six, he commanded the people to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves and gave thanks and break. Very similar, matter of fact, identical to the way by which Jesus dealt with the crowd in the feeding of the 5,000, in that he took the loaves, he broke them, he thanked God for them, broke them, and then distributed. And it says here, and he gave to his disciples to set before them, and they did set them before the people. So at this point, the disciples obviously are chagrined. They, they know that Jesus is in the middle of another miracle, and they are able to participate in it. Jesus allows his disciples to participate in these miracles because Jesus is using the miracles in part to manifest his glory to them. 
Remember what it said in John chapter 2, that was the very first miracle that Jesus performed, the turning of the water to wine. And in that miracle, remember, uh, Jesus, the Bible says that, that Jesus did the miracle to manifest his glory to his disciples, to show them more and more about his true identity. And so as Jesus allows his disciples here to participate, to do the menial work of distributing the food and and putting people in their uh, organized groups and so forth, really what's happening is they are gaining more and more appreciation for and faith in the Lord. I think that's the the way it it works even in, in our churches, in our own lives. The more that we serve the Lord with a pure heart, the more that we endeavor to do the things that God has called us to do, the greater uh, our faith in the Lord, uh, the more we appreciate all that God can do. It's as we do that we learn. Uh, We don't learn best just by listening, although I think you ought to listen at church. We don't do best simply by listening and watching others, although I think it's important to watch others. I think the best way to learn is to hear, to see, and to do. It's the old Chinese proverb, I think, which is, uh, tell me and I'll forget. Show me and I'll remember. Include me and I'll learn. And I'm not sure if I'm quoting that exactly right, but I think you get the idea. Look at verse number seven. And they had a few small fishes And he blessed and commanded to set them also before them. So just like the first miracle, loaves and fish. So there are loaves and fish here. So they did eat and were filled. Isn't that something? When Jesus does something, he does something to the nth degree. It wasn't just that they all had a little bit that he parceled out parsimoniously, just enough for them to have just a a taste No, the Bible says they were all filled and they took up of the broken meat that was left seven baskets. So they started with seven loaves. By the time it was over, they had fed everybody to the place where they were all filled and they had seven baskets of bread left over. Now that's important. Why? Because we're going to come back to these seven baskets It's an an amazing story. We're going to actually go to a different story here next episode, and then we're going to come back and revisit these seven baskets. So don't don't forget about them. Verse number nine, and they that had eaten were about 4,000, and he sent them away. So the feeding of the 5,000, that's Mark 6, John 6, the other passages there in Matthew and Luke, and now the feeding of the 4,000, in both in which Jesus demonstrates his heart, compassion, demonstrates his sovereignty, the ability to do this miracle, and then demonstrates his intention to teach as he involves his disciples. And years later, these disciples, not too many years later, these disciples are faced with their own situations where, for instance, in Acts chapter 6, uh, the, the widows were allegedly being neglected in the daily ministration, in the distribution of food. 
And remember, these disciples were able to formulate a plan administratively where these people could be fed. I wonder if some of this wasn't learned right here in the wilderness with the feeding of the 4,000. Well, that's all the time that we have for today. We're going to stop there in verse number nine. We'll come back to uh, verse 10 next episode. Hope you'll join us for that. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.